Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey. Give me a call later, okay? It's your mother. I love you. Bye. Hey, real boy, why go and talk to me? Yeah, roll out or what? Right now, I'm active, you know. Right now, I'm ready to touch the road. Do road, you know. Just meet me back and let me know how I go on. But how come every time I call you, you don't answer your phone? Like, what's the point of you having the phone if you're not even going to answer it? Don't be telling me the voice on for these hoes, all right? Listen, when you get this message, you call me back. Man, I ain't got time for this shit. Back to business. Talking, entertainment, sports, lifestyle, relationships, and, well, whatever the hell else comes to mind. You're now listening to Fully Loaded with Focus JRJ. Brothers and sisters! Brothers and sisters! I don't know what this world is coming to! Yes! The rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard drama, will you never been them in? You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy, telling you to hear it. They praise the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show, but much the sound. I made a year ago. Oh. I guess you know, you guess I'm just a radical. Uh-huh. I'm a sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body should be part in two. Yeah, we need that griminess right now. So don't play good music, because I'll sit here and dance the whole time. <laughs> like, show for what? Talk to who? It's your boy, Focus JRJ, hanging out with here with the great associate producer and co-host of this show. Hello. Hey, Malcolm. What up? Malcolm Smith. Yes. Um, How many more names can you find for me? I don't know. Titles. I love giving you titles. Yes. He's the host of Still Diverted, which and comes out. of Still Diverted. <laughs> and the host of Still Diverted. Bi-weekly vlog. No, weekly vlog. Oh, weekly, excuse me. Yeah. We're bi bi weekly web uh, yeah. podcast, excuse me. And now a bottle girl at Sin City. I'm excited. <laughs> um, Keep rising to the top. Thank God we're in great spirits. How you today. doing? I know. I mean Good to see you. It's alive been a time. and not in a body bag. Oh man, great. <laughs> can we can we talk the about the way it? this shit is going? Right. The times of now, the times of today. Um it's kind of funny because we were actually almost Released a pod podcast in between the last podcast, and f sorry guys, we didn't go hard on the promotion of the last podcast, but I it was a shit. I didn't feel bad at all. I, I didn't feel bad about it, but it's just I was the like, shit that was going on in the world. It was just very disgusting. Y'all not here for this shit. I'm not here for this shit. Right, I was so like, I would I, not be listening to this show right, right now. Like, so who, I was like, why even waste? Wh my time? Why even promote my podcast? Because there's bigger issues than me talking about whatever happened at that time and the um, crazy thing is i didn't even think about promoting it which is how bad it was like i was in such a like a head trip of a space no. where i like my mom wasn't even thinking about <laughs> right like you know anything I, from the day before i was so tied up in like tweeting and like holding back from tweets to get my thoughts out and trying to be like without unleashing yeah. and reading at the same time mm -hmm. uh that i was just like I, I, it's not in me to just can you listen to my podcast it's yeah. not about that Brief context, because I feel like, you know, uh, maybe if you don't live, if you don't you know, live in the United States, maybe, you know, I don't know, you missed the story somehow, <laughs> but obviously the deaths of um, Alton Sterling. Yeah, and Philando Castillo. And um, which just led a, to a whole bunch massive of shit. shooting, uh, a massive shooting in Dallas, Texas, mm -hmm. which is. Uh, of, I think four police officers and like, you know. Oh, uh, the count, it? it was 11 and about five. Five past, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Excuse me, I don't have the paper right in front of me right now. Uh, so much is going on in the world, and you know, Alton Sterling and Philando, Philando Castro, Castillo. Uh, Castillo, Castillo. Excuse me. The thing about it is that we've known some of the issues that occur in our neighborhoods and our communities as far as racial profiling, 
and things just happening without an end or an end. But once you see it on camera, listen, man, it you still guys, does, it still doesn't matter. What do you mean once you see it on camera? It, it still doesn't matter. You're right. I guess it still doesn't matter. But I mean, even though like people who who really didn't believe like this shit is really like something. Yeah, and you know what's funny though? But it's not the first time because like you said, we've seen. Eric, Eric Gardner, Gardner yeah. get choked out on camera. I think, and this is, I think it's two things that's happening. I think one thing that's happening is, for some reason, people are now seeming more aware about this. Like, I feel like even from, you know, just last year, like Sandra Bland, who, you know, just, I don't want to say made a year, but, you know, right. that was like a year ago, almost like, you know, to the date, almost. And I'm just like, I feel like even from that incident, Eric Garner, to like this year, and like these incidents, people seem more fed up now than we did even a year ago. Like, I feel like even the way, like, you know, like, as as someone has, like, gone to the protests, even, you know, from, like, you know, the Trayvon days, you know, seeing how this whole thing has taken over online, like, I feel like people are at a new level of over it now. And, like, even the people that, um like, that were silent before on Facebook and, like, like, there were certain people that, I, like, I had never heard speak about these things. Right. Because and even those people now have, like, all right, this shit has got to stop. So I feel like it's something different in the air this time. Because we, we, we all saw the footage, which was... Okay, a guy's being rustled by the cops. Okay, he he could be resisting arrest, but then we see something that's totally like unnecessarily called for, which was if you on top of me, you can mace me, stun gun me, yeah, beat me with your baton, yeah, you grab your pistol, yep, at close range, yo, Malcolm, that's like the ultimate sucker move. Like, oh, well. And the thing look, about, we're, look who we're talking about. <laughs> exactly, and I mean me, I come from, we come from New York. We have inner cities. We call them the hoods or whatever. But we know that when people pull a gun on you, it's like to either incite fear in you, yeah, and to or they're really going to do harm. Like, and we don't expect this from the people that are supposed to be governing our communities to kind of you're going to pull a gun to scare me, yeah. Like is that that's your go to move? You're supposed to be enforcing the law. You're supposed to be protecting, protecting, me, officer. protecting, yeah. And I think that's what kind of it, it drives me fucking insane that the disconnection that people think that once they put on a uniform they're no longer a fucking civilian. Still, I get it. You're not in that title space, but that motherfucker comes off. And you know what? Let's just address this really quickly because to why? Well, maybe you don't know. Maybe you have no idea. Maybe you don't follow either one of us on social oh, okay. media. <laughs> I was like, oh. so maybe you don't really know where we stand in this climate right now but let me tell you one thing really quickly about i don't want to say our black asses because i won't drag you into this no, you could drag me right down, the, down well, you the know block. what i'm about to say so drag me down one the thing about these black asses is that i don't give a fuck about all lives matter i don't give a damn about a blue lives matter because let me tell you one thing about blue lives matter blue lives do not exist so if you're going to tell me some shit like you know well, you know, black lives matter, but blue lives matter and all lives matter. And you've seen the post already. You know, like, you know, it's not saying that black lives matter doesn't mean all lives don't matter. But there was no such thing as a blue life. You were only a cop for a certain amount of time in your life. <laughs> right. For a, certain, for a certain amount of time of the day. Exactly. Or even if, let's say you're, you know, like a beastie cop and you're a cop 24-7. One day you will retire and you will take off that badge and you will just go back to being Tom and lives on Staten Island with his two kids and his wife. So I'm just like, don't tell me blue lives matter. When a blue life is not a thing. Like, there are no blue people. That's like almost saying, and this is maybe sound weird, it's like, uh, if there was no, like, fuck cancer, and there was just, there was just like, oh, fuck all diseases, and then people like, oh, fuck cancer, be like, oh, but no, yeah. all diseases matter. Like, no, but what about the shit I got? Like, this like, is what we're focusing yeah, on. Yeah, we, we, this and, is what we focus and on, we've and we've been trying to tell you all this shit for, like, 
at least three years now. I mean, honestly, our whole lives, but more so in the past three years. And some, like, for some reason, some of y'all just cannot get it through y'all thick ass skulls. It's just like it's. And I get the 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 thing that only bothers me about like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is that some people who are malicious within, not within it, but they kind of don't live within the regards of what the community tries to bring. This negative thing like uh, uh, a revolution or we want to fight and kill the police, which yeah. is not exactly what we need at this time. And which we really don't want to do. We don't want to do that. But, like, and, I, and I said this, you know, um, you know, at another point in time, but I'm just like, all of these things that are happening, like the shootings in Dallas, like all of these things are the fault of the judicial system. Because I'm just like... The fact that there's like this blue wall that they have up where, you know, like, you know, district attorneys protect police and police protect, you know, the judge and like every they're all in this little world together. So I'm just like when, you know, when you don't indict these people, you let these people get off free and basically run around as, you know, I was about to say a word that like I want to say. Like the fucking Wild Wild West yeah. almost. This is what the, that's like, what you know, is. Negro killers. It's just like, well, what the fuck do you think is going to happen when people want to retaliate? Because we've been on the front lines. You know, we we have expressed more than enough that like just how stop many, killing us. How many fucking roads do we have to block exactly. up and stop traffic and put exactly. signs up? And like, it, it, it's very dangerous because it's time consuming. And, and this goes back to people, what we, me and Malcolm talked about before. And I asked Malcolm this the other day via text and I said, what exactly is the issue? Like, who the fuck do we, like, figure out to blame? And I said, is is it anything Obama could possibly do? Or, or we, should we be lo- looking at this at a local level? This is a trickle-down effect. People give Obama so much shit for not speaking up. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if you look at it, the community is actually at fault. So if there's no one in your community leader that's doing anything about it as to why cops or the precinct around you is getting off on bullshit... And why people aren't losing their badges and guns and or or why cases are being thrown out. Think about the trickle down effect. If you're not voting locally, and I mean not just every four years. You can't just vote for Hillary and be like, all right, we did a job. We did our job. (laughs) Yeah, like that's not how it works. She has bigger shit, like global shit to worry about versus I mean, even if she did, we really want her back. I mean, (laughs) come on now. But that's a whole nother story for us. But the point is that people need to go out and when we say speak up, voice at all levels and mediums as possible. You need to sign up to vote. It doesn't make no fucking sense while we have and the reason why we have the disconnection because we know everything about Trump, but how much do you know about the person that's implementing laws in your neighborhood? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Not a damn fucking thing. People Me don't. included. Like, I'm not even trying to, you know, like, you know, yeah. like, you know, throw stones to live in a glass house. I'm just like, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I vote for who I know for. You, who but I'm you. just like, when it comes to like, you know, across the whole spectrum, like, I can't tell you community board members in my hood because I'm just like, that's just not where my head is at. And maybe that's where our heads need to be. Need to be. It's, start, yeah. it's a starting position. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all keep talking about the Carmelo Anthony, all the athletes. We all come and we fucking vote, uh, um, Vocalize, voice. voice and vocalize our mm-hmm. anger, but at the end of the day, we're like, "What's the solution? Like, we we don't have the answer, but what can we do?" And my whole thing is, but I don't want to like you know, I think that is the problem. Sometimes like we eliminate you know celebrities from like this conversation. It's just like you know, what is Jay Z saying? What is Beyonce saying? On for some people, other people are just like, "Oh, you know, well we don't need celebrities to speak on this." And I'm just like, I feel. This is the great thing about celebrities. We put celebrities on these high platforms. Celebrities usually do great work, which is why they are a celebrity. But I just feel like when your reach is so strong and you are able to connect and talk to so many people through simply one tweet or one Facebook status, like 
we really need those people on the front lines because their voice is so large. And it's like, we need y'all. And like, everybody don't know, like, your voices, even amongst your friends, goes wide and arranged to people who probably never thought of the idea that you think of. Yeah. So it, it's very important that you use your platform that you have. Yeah. So we're going to address this two ways today. We're going to look at this from the side of the media, and we're going to look at this side from police. So we're going to be talking to Torre. Yes. Uh, media journalists. Now activist, kind of. And well, but are we all? Yeah, are we all right? And we're also gonna be talking to one of uh, a former PD officer, a police officer uh, from Detroit. Oh, this is fabulous! Right. This should be interesting. All right, so with everything going on today in this crazy, crazy, crazy sick world, we decided to turn to a professional just to figure out what this is and how we can approach it. So today we're going to be talking to writer, journalist, and TV personality. He's the author of several books, including But Not Limited to Who's Afraid of Post-Blackness, What It Means to Be Black Now. So please welcome Torrey to the show. Hello. Welcome, Torrey. What's good? How are you? How are you? Well, all could be good, but yeah. unfortunately. Things could be better, yeah. but you know. Um, Indeed. Thank, thank you for joining us early this morning, by the way. Sure. Sure. Uh, we have several questions. I know we were talking about the Alton Sterling situation. We just want a little bit of insight of what you think is everything that's going on and how senseless people are killing each other just from an inhumane perspective. Well, I mean, sure, Dallas was absurdly inhumane and not something that any of us want. That person does not speak for anything that Black Lives Matter wants or anything that Black people in America want. Um, you know, but we're, I mean, I mean, to say that we're in the midst of a policing crisis sort of misses the point because the same things have been going on for decades. Right. Just we, now we have cameras are ubiquitous now. You know I mean? I, I would mark this modern period beginning with Rodney King and then sure it sort of takes off with like Trayvon where after that it seems like every week there's a new crazy story but you know part of the issue here is that we as black people have been dealing with these sorts of killings for decades and just before there was actual evidence we just weren't listened to it's mm -hmm. just you know it's just, and, and you know I think a lot of times we may not have listened to each other if there wasn't video and Rodney King said they beat me up you know a lot of people have been like whatever but now there's irrefutable evidence. So America has to confront, you know, what's really going on. Um, that the bias, the the idea that black people are more criminal uh, than white people, which is a total fallacy, but that idea is powering, is the undercurrent of American policing. And until that is changed, we will never have equitable policing and until we have an end to the war on drugs which is placing officers in an aggressive paramilitary posture um, and over flooding black and brown communities um, in a hyper aggressive posture until we have an end to that then these sorts of things will continue happening even with the title as far as uh um i would say not even just african-american people but minorities being criminalized or having this criminal background i think some of the things that's being done what they consider as crime doesn't necessarily cause for the action which is being taken upon a, a police officer you know what i'm saying if you're carrying a concealed weapon or even if it's licensed doesn't mean that you pull out your gun you know if you're walking down the street and 
and the cop decides, hey, what's that in your pocket? It becomes real tricky, even with the, what's in your pocket. You start reaching for your pocket. Hey, don't reach for your pocket. And it's like this weird, you know, and then when you get kind of uh, not aggressive, but you get tentative as far as, officer, I don't feel comfortable reaching in my pocket. They, they want to say that you're not listening and following orders. So it, it comes with this double standard. We really don't know how to govern ourselves with these people. And a lot of the part is that these people come into our neighborhood, which are officers who don't really get to know us, or understand they have this weird mentality about the urban communities. Well, yeah. I mean, you touch on two interesting things there. The over-prevalence of guns um, creates a, a situation where police officers have to be extra afraid. And their fear of going home each day is real and genuine. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't you know, we, we have to respect that they, they, they come by that feeling in a, in a real way. Uh, police officers... You know, especially those who are out making stops, traffic stops, are risking their lives every day. Um, but part of the reason why they feel they are risking their lives is because there's an overprevalence of guns, and they don't know who's going to have a gun and, who's, and who doesn't. And too many of the citizens have guns. Um, you know, black people understand that uh, gun safety is probably more important for us and for America, even you know, we generally, we always are higher on, in terms of telling pollsters how much gun safety we want right. um, and, you know, how much gun control we want. We are always at a higher rate than white Americans for how much gun control we want. In terms of officers, I mean, you know, community policing is, you know, something that gets talked about a lot in terms of knowing the community. You know, sometimes they talk about having people who live in the community or near the community rather than an occupying force that comes from the suburbs. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, officers are being told how to police from on high. And when there's a deep-seated belief in, in the criminality and the lack of power, political power, that black and brown people have, then it's easy to put officers in uh, positions to attack, not just police, but attack black and brown people because um, they know how, how, what are they going to do? What can they do? Can't do anything. Switching gears a little bit, I just have, you know, especially as a black man that works in such a heavily populated white media, what, what is your whole take on how this is being handled, you know, through mainstream media? Having, having been in the, that chair... Uh, you know, and the, the fear that you always have of leaping to judgment too soon and getting something wrong and, you know, being wrong in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, maybe millions of people. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's a very real fear. And it's something that, you know, that somebody who is doing a live broadcast has to really worry about. So I understand folks, you know, using certain words and, you know, as they're showing the video that seems conclusive to you, but they don't want to get out over their skis for whatever reason. You know, that said, I worry about, I think about what is it, what does it do to us at least to see these videos over and over and over and have them looped in our head all the time. Um, you know, when I was a kid, there was this video called the faces of death. That was at Blockbuster, and some of my I didn't like to watch it, but some of my friends would watch it. It was just just video of people dying, 
electric chair, accident, whatever. Just what does it look like their face and their body when they die? Uh, we have been essentially forced to watch that and, you know, on heavy rotation. And, you know, I think there's a sort of racial empathy that we see these videos and we understand intellectually and emotionally that could be me, that could be my friend. Um, and I don't know, what is it doing to us? I'm not sure of the answer. What is it doing to us that, you know, we have Alton Sterling and Tamir Rice and Eric Garner, you know, on and on and on in our heads playing on a loop, these are, these are real videos. It, it cannot be having a positive effect to have these things just sitting in our mental libraries. Yeah. So, but, like, even from the perspective of, because you, like, you said as, as you, someone that has sat in that chair before, but when it comes from, like, you know, from, and I, I guess, you know, maybe it can be compared to almost, like, being a police officer, but it's just, like, dealing with it at work and dealing with it in a, you know, the appropriate manner, and then taking it to, like, you know, a larger, well, maybe not larger, but, you know, a, an equal form, like, social media. Like, because I know there are some people, and even, like, you know, just watching how the trends have been rolling, like, I feel like people are much more not invested, but maybe pissed off now. Like, I feel like even just, you know, with a year ago with Sandra Bland, like, you know, there were some people that were kind of on the fence, like, well, we don't really know what's happening. We don't have all the answers. But I feel like, especially in the black community, there's been a lot more people that have spoken up in recent times that are just like, I was nervous to speak out before, but now, like, I'm kind of fed up. Well, part of what you noticed, part of what you just point out is there is a difference between what is discussed and how it's discussed on social versus you know, let's say on broadcast media. And, and there has to be a difference in some ways. Mm-hmm. But there's so many killings that it becomes difficult for broadcast media to really dig into all of them because in a way you would end up covering nothing else. And the, you know, the, the audience is mostly white. They don't want to hear this every day. You know, something, you know, at this point, an incident has to, you know, be somehow larger or more, you know, it, it deserves to be something extra for it to cut through, you know. And so, you know, you have to have not just video, but a crazy video. I mean, you know, the Alton Sterling crazy video. That was a crazy video. Yeah. You know, yeah, the video is, is crazy, so it cuts through the noise, but something that is more... I mean, it's unless it has this extra aspect, it, it, it's tricky for it to cut through. There's, I mean, there's tons of stories of 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 killing that you know are that news media is not covering. I mean, you know, they were talked about what 800 some people have died in police custody since Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know their names. You know, I don't know their stories. That that statistic was a shock to me. You know, the you know cops shoot. Uh, shoot and kill a black person pretty much, what, every 36 hours in America? Um, we're not hearing that. You know, social media, though, especially black Twitter, is really loud and uh, strong on these issues. And it's really important and a lot of times, especially on this policing crisis, this modern policing crisis issue, um, black Twitter has quite often led, uh, quite often, led social media, uh, led uh, uh, traditional media mm-hmm. um, by by weeks sometimes. I mean, you know, Trayvon was much, was big on social media before uh, traditional was digging into it for about two weeks. Um, and, you know, that's happened over and over and over, you know, and the length, breadth, and depth of the coverage is, is just deeper. And 
especially as a black person, you have to, or a person who, who cares about these issues, if you're not black, um, you got to be plugged into social media to really know the, the extent of what's going on. Yeah, I agree. So moving from, like, you know, the the digital pla- well the social media platform to I guess more of in the physical world like do you have and you know I don't know if anybody has the answers but like do you have any suggestions of like you know where do we go from here because I I see so many people especially like you know being 23 being young a lot of people are just like all right you know this is trending great this is getting out there great this has made you know headline you know on every broadcast like what do we do now I, I mean we need an end to the war on drugs I think that is the number one thing that black America and America needs at the time. You know, the war on drugs creates a situation where police are in a hyper-aggressive posture toward black uh, and brown communities, uh, making sure that, you know, all the uh, all the men, all the young men of age catch a felony before, you know, before they're old enough to drive. So then they can't move into the, or they struggle to move into the traditional workforce and we perpetuate the idea of, you know, they're all criminal. Um, you know, we're not getting effective policing. We're getting, uh, you know, occupational policing. Um, so, I mean, you know, nothing is happening properly um, in that regard. Barack Obama is not willing or able to do that. I don't know if Hillary Clinton will be willing or able to do that. But that that is the thing that we need. That would be a revolutionary step that would change things for black America. So you think there's a direct correlation between the war on drugs and the, you know, social injustices that are happening? Right, because when I think of war on drugs, yeah, I don't. Absolutely. I think that absolutely. when absolutely police police are being put in position to be aggressive, every citizen is a potential uh, criminal, especially right. when you know a five dollar bag of weed is a right. arrestable offense. Yes, everybody is a problem. I, 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 yeah, and I think that's where it becomes kind of a, a, a kind of a hole in, in the ground because y- you're policing a war on drugs, but then the drugs that you're trying to police is petty, like, excuse me, my French, but bullshit, like $10, $20 a bag of weed is not really the, it shouldn't be the issue of what you're policing. I think you, there's borders and other ways that we should be trapping and looking for other sources versus people that's carrying stuff and peddling little drugs in our communities. I mean, I mean, they are doing that. Mm-hmm. They are in the border. They are, you know, looking for it coming in the sky and under the water. There's just far too much coming and the traffickers have too much to gain to be beat. Um, but, you know, the thing, the main thing that I learned talking to at length to this uh, NYPD officer who I've become friends with recently, you know, the police department is really about revenue generation. Right. And I never really thought about them in that uh, in that way, but they're really about revenue generation. In a personal and aspect, right? Well, well, yeah. I mean, the war. Yeah, but I mean, like for no, for the city. Oh, for right. the city. Okay. I mean, like, oh, okay. Yeah, that too. You know, when they're writing you uh, a traffic ticket or a parking ticket, you know, or when they seize your assets because you know they suspect you're a drug dealer, um, which they can do without a trial having happened. Um, you know, I mean, we see in Ferguson, you know, quite clearly the revenue generating uh, generation aspect of policing. But this is not just a Ferguson thing. This is or a St. Louis thing. This is all over. This is what police officers 
ultimately do. They are trying to make money, raise money, get money for the uh, for the city. Um, so overstopping black people is one way to accomplish that. Um, <laughs> you know, so this is so this is what we. I mean, so that has to change as well, and that is a fundamental part of policing. Yeah. Well, so I I just I I don't want to um you know twist the reservoir. I want to make sure I get them correctly. So do you think like you know when you know like you know people are being pulled over for you know like broken taillights and you know these minor infractions that it's police trying to maybe bust people for having like you know drugs on them? Like I'm just trying to get your words correctly for a hope or a possible arrest? Yeah, to meet a quota to say the least. Well, there are definitely policing quotas. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the officer who I was just referring to uh, is part of a class action lawsuit against the NYPD. I did see that when um, he blew the whistle. Yeah, based on you know secretly secretly made recordings where officer where higher ranking officers are telling them you know you need to you know here's your quota you know you need to make five arrests a month and fifty summonses or whatever it is different in different areas. Um, but, you know, this places officers in a difficult situation. What if they don't see anybody who deserves to be arrested? Well, that's, that's a problem. That means, you're, that means you are going to be punished. Because Jack arrested five people this month. You've arrested one. What's the problem? Like, you know, you want to go to the Bronx and walk around, or you want to be down here? Um, you know, and you know, you get three days left to go in the month, and you're three arrests behind what the boss expects you to be at. You look at anything. You're gonna be. I mean, I'm not saying you're making stuff up. You know, because there's the the law book is huge. Mm-hmm. They can they can get you on anything. You know, at any time. But just you know, do they move from truly protecting and serving to let me do something to make my number? So the captain does not yell at me and does not, you know, punish me. Um, it becomes that quite often, and that's not effective policing. How how much trust can we put into an officer when we see video? And you're in New York. I'm pretty sure you've seen this footage where um, a postal worker was being stopped in full uniform and arrested in Brooklyn. Did you see that? Uh... I didn't see that. I mean, like you said, there's just so much information right. within this policing crisis that you can't catch all of it you know i'm sure there's names and stories that you know i've heard of that you haven't that you've heard of that i haven't and um you know it's not it's not pokemon we can't catch them all <laughs> if only we could though only we could, if right. only we could. uh one 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 last question uh recently in um in the media uh former mayor giuliani said that black Lives matter black lives matter of the organization is in relation yeah. to a terrorist organization what are your thoughts on that yeah um, you know, I mean, I think it's yet another um, continuation of the sort of racist uh, beliefs that we've seen from Giuliani. I mean, like, you know, uh, as a New Yorker, you know, who is aware, should be aware that there is actually a policing crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that sort of comment is disgraceful from him. He knows better. He's just pandering to a conservative audience that really doesn't give a shit about him. So he has to, you know, say these you know, bizarre things to try to be heard above the noise of the din Amen. of, you know, right wing, uh, you know, conversation, which is generally insane. Um, 
I mean, you know, it's just incredibly offensive. Um, you know, a, a terrorist group does terrorist things. They use violence against citizens to sow fear. Where has Black Lives Matter done that? When they when they pull those that. receipts, I will have that conversation because it's right. They have they have never done that exactly. Who they are? They are not a terrorist organization, and to suggest that they are because they are demanding equal rights. I mean, so is the, to the demand for equal rights and policing justice is so scary that you know requesting demanding equality. Uh, becomes oh my god they're a terrorist organization. Yeah. I mean you know right it's like it's like you know they, white people have been ahead so long that equality feels like uh, you know they're losing. Trust. Like they can't even yeah. fathom. It's just like we just like just stop killing us and like if for some reason like they just can't seem to get it through their heads. Like and I'm, I just oh. you're a terrorist for asking to not be killed by the government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like oh like you're not here to protect me. Okay. Got I it. I mean what but what but what is the terrorist action? I mean, right? I mean like can, can I mean name a terrorist action? In this day and age they killed. What have they bombed? What you know, I mean like have they even made a public physical threat against right. somebody? Yeah. No, I mean there's there I mean, you know, in a time when I mean like, you know, in a time when uh, I mean, Giuliani is somebody who, for who, you know, they used to say, you know, every sentence included the subject of verb in 9-11, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Terror, you know, he, he studied terrorism, right? He was a, he was a, an advisor, a consultant, telling people how to deal with terrorism. For him to equate Black Lives Matter with actual terrorism uh, is disgraceful. And it shows how little he actually understands about actual terrorism. Yeah, and I think terrorism is just one of those trigger words in America. Like, Americans hear terrorism... And we're just like, you know, I mean, it shakes us up as it should just because of the world that we have lived yeah. in. But, you know, it's, it's but there ridiculous. Has to be violence applied. I mean, like, you know, what happened in Dallas with terrorism? Yeah. Somebody, I mean, the, the police officers are not are not, you know, normal civilians. They're in a paramilitary organization. They mm-hmm. expect to be shot at already. Right. So it strains the definition of terrorism. Right. Because the whole thing is an attack on civilians, people who are traditionally not part of the battlefield, um, you know, so it's but I mean, it is terrorism in that it's using violence to make a point, right? Like you know, it's not just that I'm mad or angry at you; it's that I want other people to be afraid. So, so it is terroristic. Um, I mean, it, it just you know, if, if Black Lives Matter is terrorism, then words have no meaning, right? Because I mean, <laughs> there's nothing that they have. I mean, you know what it really means. Because it doesn't. Because they're not. It, it, there's not right. There's a. There's a different. There's a dictionary definition of these things. These words, and they're just not. Uh, but it just reveals how deeply scared Giuliani and those who you know and others like him, uh, you know, are. Yeah, they are of Black Lives Matter and the, just the demand for uh, equity. You know, I mean, they see black people are angry and they are scared. Yeah. You know. To, it's a long, long leap to terrorism from there. Well, they call the Black Panthers a terrorism terrorist group as well. So I don't, I don't see a, a, a real call, necessary cause for that because I mean, Black Panthers did also a great amount of things more than Black Lives Matter. But I, I, I'm really disappointed. Well, I want to say more. I mean, I the, think it's you know I mean, it's a different time in, a, you know. in a give back form of way. But yeah. I'm very disappointed in Giuliani's comments just from coming as a melting pot of the city, but. 
I mean, uh, as a New Yorker, that's not my first time. So right. <laughs> what can you say? Torre, thank you so much for joining us, mister. Thank you. I know it's early. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. I'm good. Appreciated your insight. I just want to say really quickly before we, you know, get off the line, that is nice to, to, uh, to I guess, officially talk to you because we, like, live in the same area. I don't want to make things weird, but I'm just like, oh, that's Torre. And then, Brooklyn. yeah, I see, like, you and your kids, and I'm like, I'll leave him alone. Like, I don't want to bother him. So, <laughs> nice to officially, you well, know, meet you. Yeah, well, you know, when you see me out in the hood, you know me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, quickly before you go, do you have anything you would like to promote? I know you're doing a lot of things. You have your hands in a lot of yeah. pots. Where can people get at you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, well, let's see. I'll give you two things. I'm working on uh, a podcast uh, that'll start coming out later this month. So listen, look out for that. Um, but also, well, you know, this is interesting. I'm working on a book uh, about about why men cheat. That's what I was waiting for. I heard about the title, so I was waiting oh, for you to dig into the oh, actual subject. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so you're going to have to come back yeah. because... <laughs> Oh, you mean, you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So it's about why men cheat on their wives and serious girlfriends. And I'm talking to a bunch of guys anonymously about, you know, why they do what they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I've talked to about 22 guys so far. And wow. 68, 69 guys telling me stories and, you know, a nice broad research survey. Gotcha. So, you know, if anybody listening to this wants to be part of this this story and saying it you know i'm uh you know like I, you know i fool around or whatever if there's any cheaters and, out there that are trifling yeah, tore wants to talk to yeah. you contact yeah, how can they well, contact you you can, <laughs> you can e- e- email me uh tore show all spelled regular t-o-u-r-e-s-h-o-w tore show at gmail.com there you and, go you know, it's a private situation. Everything will remain anonymous and secretive. And, you know, just hit me up and uh, we can talk about your story. Now, really quickly. So the people that you've <laughs> contacted already, are there any people that we know on this list? He's not well, allowed I to. I mean, just, I couldn't tell you that. But, but, I mean, but I, are there some names yeah, that we I, would know? I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's it's anonymous. And for the most part, it's about it's about it's not. It's not about famous people, okay? Right? It's about it's a, it's you know, a regular like, guy perspective. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, sure, yeah. you have a large social circle, so I was just, you know, <laughs> just trying to figure out. Just wanted to know. Um, but yes, but no. So thank yeah. you very much for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. We'll be looking forward to the podcast as well as the book. I don't know which one I should be more excited for now. Yeah, I'm a, I want to read that book. <laughs> I know the bu- I know the podcast coming soon, that but, book's be but the book sounds like <laughs> a little bit, you know, very int- introspective. We wanted to get a little enlightened on that. But thank yeah, you for your time. No doubt. Man. All right. All right. Peace. Good to hear from Torrey. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the rest of that tea because listen, let's discuss something right now. When I am out here working and I'm trying to get what I need to get, my apologies. I need you to shut the hell up. My apologies. My sincere apologies. Because Torrey <laughs> might have slipped. We were talking about some other shit. You right. got to come in through the back door and be like, oh, so who's in your book? Oh, you're talking about who? Oh, okay, perfect. But your ass talking about. Well, you're not going to say nobody. You shut up and Tor- let me do what I need to do. Tori's a great guy. He has yes. some of the greatest interviews, a wide array of catalog that far immense that I could ever probably live up to. But great well, stuff. Well, damn, shit. <laughs> can, can you live, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> can I live? <laughs> like, Speaking damn. of can I live, do you remember when he did the, um, I think it was the Jay-Z uh, 
documentary and he was like one of the uh con- contributors yeah sounds host, familiar also on that sounds familiar it was on mtv they used to oh vh1 they used to run it all the time and i was like who the hell is this black <laughs> who, dude who's this guy he's into hip-hop he's, he's yeah. smart as hell who no no guy? for real. i literally and i see like you know um tory all the time like when i tell you for somebody that doesn't know this man i see him way too much i'm just like what are all like and I, it's like it happens more so in the summer months, obviously, than in the winter, because in the winter we all be locked up in the house. <laughs> but I've seen Torrey already twice this summer, and we're only in the second week of July. So, well, I hope you get to see him again because the way things are going out here, uh, you know. <laughs> oh God! All right, I, 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 I want you dark. I, I want you to be around. You know That's what I'm saying? Well, shit. So do I. But shit. damn. Okay. Uh, no, I agree a hundred percent with you. Says one thing that pissed me off. The last note that I had with Torrey was. Uh, Fucking old white men out of touch with like reality. Giuliani really like blew on with that terrorist comment mm-hmm. saying, and I mean, I think the Daily News carried it with, with the girl who was um, she was um caring to her mom when uh Philando Castile was passing away. And the, and the the daughter said, "Mommy, is it going to be okay?" Oh, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, da- it was, was like, in the video, and they said, "Is this gonna be? Is this young girl going to be your next terrorist or the next person to commit a crime?" The Daily News said that. Yeah, because they put they kind of was tying in t- to saying, "Is is Giuliani making oh, any okay, sense?" Okay, got you, yeah. got you, got you. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. um, it's just crazy what he the way he says things, and I agree a hundred percent. He's just saying. He's out of touch with reality. He's not doing anything. Yeah. And he's just trying to stay afloat, which is why he keeps going to do these- <laughs> Which is why I just feel- He keeps going to do those stupid uh, morning talk shows. Uh, yeah. But TV you know what's shows. funny? Do you watch Family Guy? Uh, not much as I used to. But do you remember old episodes, right? Remember the episode where Lois was running for mayor? Yeah. And she was trying to do all these things in the community. And she was like, you know, we're going to, you know, clean yeah. up the lake and do all of this stuff. And they <laughs> yeah. were like, oh, girl, whatever. And then every time she said 9-11, like people were like, what applaud? <laughs> 9-11 was bad. <laughs> I agree with that. God, I can't believe how easy this is. Mrs. Griffin, what are your plans for cleaning up our environment? 9-11. Mrs. Griffin, what about our traffic problem? 9-11. That's how I feel with Juliana. Like, all you have to say, like, in this country is, like, 9-11 and terrorism. People are like, oh, no. And it's like, oh, yes, girl. I understand. Um exactly how you feel and I totally will never agree with anything Julian has to say because I just feel like he's fighting a position for probably Trump's cabinet or whatever the hell he wants to do somewhere else oh no that was, that's, that's the talk of the time and I didn't hate you know why you know why I, I don't like Giuliani though it, I mean oh you know what also pissed me off he also said he saved more lives than Black Lives Matter during his uh his Oh, I was about to say presidency during his uh, his time as mayor yeah. in New York City. He said, and "You I, know what? I was like, where the fuck?" And we-? that's where the bullshit comes <laughs> in. And we see this time and time again in history. Black people always lay the foundation for shit. All white people do is come and paint the building and be like, "Look at what I've done." You didn't do shit. You did absolutely nothing. The reason why New York City got so cleaned up in the early '90s wasn't because of Giuliani. It was because of Mayor David Dinkins, Dinkins the black man who really got shit together in here. And then Giuliani was the next term. And then you know, yeah, it it took. You know, obviously it takes times for things, you know, to, you know, become things. So, you know, the trickle down effect. So Dinkins, you know, made the whole cake, put it in the oven, right. you know, did all all of this shit. And all Giuliani did was ice the cake and was like, look at what I did. Right. I'm amazing. It's like, you didn't do shit. You did nothing. So that's why when people are like, oh, you know, Giuliani really cleaned up New York City. I'm I, like, no, Dinkins cleaned up New York City. And Giuliani just got like, you know, the tail end of it. But again, 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 white people will always take credit for the shit that black people have done. I feel like 
David Dinkins, I don't know, for some reason got swept between the fell well, fell between the cracks because a lot of people don't even mention his name or don't they don't at all. Like you hear Ed Koch, you hear Giuliani, and, and he's really one of like the best mayors New York has ever had. I agree, that was yeah. one of my favorite. But uh, as far as anybody else, I don't know. Yeah. And, and and don't let me start with the what one. Was we, like, oh, De Blasio. That's what I was, I was like, just about. I now? was like, don't get me started on the mayor we have now. We elected the man who does nothing almost. Shows up late, does what the fuck he. I mean, wants. but it was like the lesser of two evils. It really felt like you know, like this year's presidential election. Oh shit, we forgot about Bloomberg. How do we feel about Bloom? Oh fuck him. You know, I like Bloomberg. I, I, Bloomberg, he's fair. Bloomberg was a bitch because when I was in high school, that nigga would not close schools when it was snow, so he will always be on my shit list. I'm like, nigga, it is zero degrees and ten feet of snow outside. And he's like, nope. Lo palando, schools are not open. No, fuck you, bitch. No, I'm not doing this with you. My headset fell over. My life is so hard. Piss oh me, no, his Fuck Spanish him. was horrible. Trash, no. Trash. He can't be trusted. No, he he he's fair and honest. He's he's a businessman. He's no, a, he is a businessman. And the thing about and New York is really a business. I mean, America's a business, but New York to, is a business. I don't know if he's Democrat or Republican, which means I think no, he's independent. Means no to me, but he he was a Dominican. Uh, Dem- he, he was a Dominican at one point. <laughs> he lived in the Heights. He was in the Heights. He was a Democrat one time, and I think he switched his party to get the the um. The, get on the ballot. Oh, or, really? I think he. I think that's what no. It he's was. a sucker though, but he's smart though because he, he definitely changed no, the whole rules around to get that, that third term. No, and then he's was like, he's smart. And then changed it right back. Smart, <laughs> smart man. He was like, we should do third terms in New York City. And it was like, no. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. He's like, I'll, I'll do the third term if y'all don't like it. Y'all can change. Because he back. did do three terms, right? I think he, I like he was mayor for a long ass time, like my whole life. Oh, was it two? <laughs> was like it my two? whole adolescence, this nigga was mayor. Hold oh, was it twice? He he was so slick because he he actually he. Anybody's like, you know what? Let, let's guess what? I got an idea. If it, we'll do it on my terms, right. and when if it doesn't if, work, if it don't work, <laughs> we'll change it. We'll back. change it back. <laughs> we'll undo it. We'll undo it once <laughs> right? I'm done. But in the like, meantime, in the meantime, let's just go with the bullshit exactly. right now. Um, yep, three consecutive terms. <laughs> this nigga's not. He's actually maybe my idol now. No, he he was smart. One of the things he that's did. That's some real petty he, shit. He, he's sim- not similar. To, he, almost, uh, it's hard to fucking put people in the realm of Trump these days. God. Jesus. Yeah, because that's such a. It's like almost like a, a funny. Sorry, <laughs> funny enough about Trump though. Torre has a very uh, great article. I forget the name of it. Um, but it's called I had it open. Oh, Donald Trump's um White Lives Matter movement. But it's actually a very interesting read. And he just wrote it, like a couple of weeks, oh, a couple of months ago. What, so he, he write that on Vice. He's a contributor for. No, Vice, this was on Huff Post, which I was very surprised about. Oh, sure. And then he's he's doing a lot of KKK talk, and you know, Trumpy claws. Like it's it was it was pretty good, um. But yeah, anyway, back to what you were saying about Bloomberg. Uh, we talk about gentrification in our communities, and I think he's contributed a wide array of, of far you know like developments as far as building and infrastructure in the city. Because you know, if you haven't looked around, some of the shit that's in your neighborhood is definitely going up or getting knocked down. Oh no. Oh, and, oh, and, oh, don't get me started on gentrification talk because that shit raises my blood pressure. And you know, Bloomberg and Trump about that that building life. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani, on the other hand, policing and terrorism. I mean, like, they want to kill us and move us out. So <laughs> I don't know what the, where, where the fuck we're supposed to go except, you know, to LaSalle's funeral home. But other than that, like, I'm just like, there's no place for us to be. They keep telling us Atlanta is too packed. Don't come down anymore. Atlanta is too fucking packed. My <laughs> brother lives in Atlanta. Y'all just need to stay the fuck out of it. Like, Atlanta is a war zone. Like to drive, I, it's, I always say the 405. That's in LA. There's Yo. some shit they have in Atlanta that's like, it's, you ever been to Atlanta before? Come on, yes. All right. Well, so if, if you're not familiar with like you know geography, Atlanta is really bait is really built in like a, like a circle. So everything just kind of moves around each other. So it's just like they have like this one expressway where it's just like 
it's almost it's not in a circle obviously but it's like it's like four circles within this highway and it's just like it's just confusing as fuck it's too crowded but it's a great place if you want to meet black people because there's a lot of black people in these um atlanta dc too but you know i mean i remember when you used to be able to go down south with your little two hundred thousand dollar house i mean mm-hmm. two hundred thousand dollars and get you a nice hundred thousand dollar house and still have money to play with yeah i mean you still can it don't you get still it can but no you just live too many, it's too many motherfuckers doing trying to live oh, that yeah, life. No, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you could do it it's, if you find it. I mean, because it's way more affordable to live down there than it is up here. But oh, absolutely. But yeah, let's get back on track. Sorry, we so, you know how we talk around here. Um, all right. So we have looked at this from the well, not really yet, but from the media side when we spoke to Torrey. We are now going to speak to uh, Officer Bob. What's his name, Jay? Officer Ralph Lloyd Godby. He was the former PD, Chief PD. Um, Please of, leave your message oh, excuse for. Me. <laughs> We're going to speak to. Tyrone! <laughs> Tyrone! I hate you in the background! <laughs> oh, that's me over here, Dylan. This is it. We, we're working right now trying to get him on the line. So we want to get um, the a different perspective from just the two of us in the room. Because it's fully loaded, and of course we have to be fair and balanced. Exactly, fair. right. So we're going to be speaking to um, a former police officer by the name of... That's right. Actually, we're going to, we're going to be speaking to Ralph Godfrey, yes. who is a retired PD chief of Detroit. He's also the host of On the Point with Ralph Godby. And obviously, he's a former officer, so who else than him better to get. So, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? I appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. uh, Thank you for the time. Um, We have a lot of questions. Well, I do, for for, for at least to say it by myself. Um, The unfortunate incidents, you know, we've seen in the news and the media. What is your your thoughts on some of the stuff that we've seen on camera? Well, uh, what we... I think the important thing to note is is that what you see on camera is actually what you see. Mm-hmm. And law enforcement has to be much more uh, forthright in how they assess these things. Uh, you can't fool the public. Uh, it, is, it is too much scrutiny out here, and too many times these encounters with police have gone the wrong way. And unfortunately, uh, law enforcement just you know, kind of you know, buckles down and insulates itself and is unwilling to critique itself. Uh, and that has to happen at all levels. It has to happen at the police union level. That has to happen at the police leadership level. And it has to happen with police officers. And, you know, I, I like to make this point, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no industry in the world. For instance, if you have a, a doctor that's involved in malpractice, uh, doctors don't rally around and say, you know, all lives matter and, you know, doctors' lives matter. They, they understand that there are people that do bad things in their industry, mm-hmm. uh, but that does not reflect the entire industry. Right. Law enforcement has been unwilling to do that and to you know point out those that go beyond, number one, the ethics of law enforcement, uh, that go uh, beyond how they're trained, and then, quite frankly, uh, policing in a very biased way. Uh, poor communities don't get the same type of policing that more affluent communities get. And until law enforcement is willing to admit that and deal with it, and particularly black and brown males, uh, it has happened to women as well. But more predominantly, there's an encounter with a white male officer and a black male officer that goes sideways. And it is based on fear. It's based on bias. It's based on prejudice and a number of things that uh, if law enforcement is unwilling to face it, you're going to continue to see the level of distrust on the street. Uh, that you see, and 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 it's not without merit, and that's the thing that law enforcement has to be uh, more 
uh, honest about, and it doesn't make you against the police to say that the police should do their damn job and do it constitutionally. Yeah. So you you mentioned the um this you know this very you know well known fact to people that live in these communities, but that poor communities are so you know overly policed as opposed to you know more affluent communities. As someone that you know has worked on the inside, why do you really think that is? Well, I think it's because um, a lot of times people that are less affluent, they, they, they're not politically active. Uh, they're not voting in the same numbers. And then there's this perception that they're not contributing to the tax base uh, as much as other people. And as, as, a, as opposed to us dictating, because law enforcement has some criteria by which it thinks that it's successful. And their criteria is how many arrests you make, uh, how many guns you get off the street, mm-hmm. uh, how many felony arrests you make. When we have to look at what is success, and the police define success one way, but the community defines success in a completely different way, and that would be respect, uh, 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 not violating people's civil rights, uh, not speaking to me in a different manner than you would speak to a more affluent person in a downtown, uptown area. So the, the level of treatment and fundamental fairness that disenfranchised people feel relative to their contacts with police is completely different than affluent communities. And, and, and I, I think as long as police continue to try and define what success is to the community, as opposed to hearing the community and not to respond, not listening to respond, but listening to understand that, you know, people want the same things, basically. They want a safe environment. They want to be respected by law enforcement. They want law enforcement to, to serve and protect, not to infiltrate and kill. Mm-hmm. And, and I think these are very basic concepts that we're making too difficult as to what people expect and what they want. And law enforcement has been very arrogant. The political infrastructure, for the most part, and unfortunately the most conservative right side, has been very arrogant in determining what type of level of service you should get. And then it's disingenuous to tell those that are disenfranchised how they should feel about how they're being treated. I mean, that's the height of hypocrisy. When we, this is Jay here, when we look at um, the, the, any task force or any force across the United States, and we have these, you know, it's, it's no secret we have different color shapes and, you know, variety of officers on the force, even though there may be uh, a, some disconnection as far as, you know, black males becoming officers, which mm-hmm. is for the obvious reason. But when we do have officers that are on the of color on the, on the force, are they speaking up because— uh, are they scared to speak up? What did you What are you seeing? What did you see out there? Because we we noticed something. It's like we know that other officers next to us are doing bad jobs, or if they're doing a bad job, are they speaking up? Are they scared to speak up? Let me put it this way: it's eighteen thousand police agencies across the country. Number one, that's a problem because that means you got eighteen thousand different uh, police leadership groups. Mm-hmm. The average department is about twenty five to fifty officers across the country. Now you look at Detroit, New York, Chicago, L.A., Miami. You know that's. These, these are outliers. So they get the best money for training. They get the best money for uh, all kind of infrastructure things. But where you're starting to see a huge problem, a huge disconnect, is in these smaller agencies. You know, Ferguson, mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota, uh, Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. where, number one, officers are uh, acculturated in a manner that does not have them really get up to date with their training and with their interaction with the community. Uh, to get to your main point in question, uh, officers of color, I- I'll put it this way. I've always 
prided myself on being a black man that happened to be a cop, not <laughs> a cop that happened to be a black man. Gotcha. And uh, that means I have a responsibility to my community because you can replace uh, uh, white faces with black faces, but if you're assimilating and if you're utilizing the same policies, procedures, and infiltration tactics, you're just carrying out the same racist uh, system. Mm -hmm. And and this is where I think we lose in the argument, Jay, is that when we try to assess whether an officer is racist or not, it really doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is the systemic outcomes are still racist. Look at Freddie Gray in Baltimore. Half of the officers indicted were black. But the systemic outcome was a black man, again, becoming a trending hashtag because policies and procedures in police departments are not uh, acknowledging the fact that they are inherently biased. They're policing different ways in poor communities. And then another thing that Chief Brown mentioned in Dallas is that the police are asked to do entirely too much in these communities. Mm-hmm. And when they are sent in to deal with the symptoms of social problems that the political infrastructure has has, has concocted, I mean, the, 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 the lack of how affordable housing, uh, the poor school systems, uh, the uh, uh, disparate uh, 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 opportunities for black and brown people in this country, based you know, surely on, on the melanin in their skin, and then the police come, come to deal with the social problems. And then there, there's a culture in policing. You know, and, and let, me, let me put it this way, because you asked a very pointed question. I want to give, give a non-politically correct answer. Gotcha. Police, can, police continue to tell communities, you know, hey, if you want to make your community safe, Get rid of the no snitch code. You know, turn in criminals. Mm-hmm, right. Well, it's disingenuous for police to say that to communities when they won't turn in their criminals. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay. So, so, so that's the issue. Because on the one hand, you're telling the community if you want a safer community, turn in your criminals, and the community is telling the police department if we want to be policed in a manner that is, is respectful of us, you turn in your criminals. So that's where the conversation really. That's where the rubber meets the road. And law enforcement with that blue wall of silence. And an unwillingness for uh, uh, officers that now you know you, you, we keep hearing, well, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent, ninety-nine percent officers do it right every day, but silence lends consent. And when you don't speak up, when you see an officer that is, because you know, I've worked on the streets of Detroit, I've supervised on the streets of Detroit, I've led the entire department, I sent it to be the chief of police, and the, you know, there's an undercurrent, and and people know the officers that continue to get citizen complaints, that continually disrespect our community, and you can't turn a blind eye to that. You have to deal with it forthright. And let me say this very quickly. Uh, Detroit uh, had fewer than 300 homicides last year in a city of 650,000, 670,000 people. That's, that's, a, a, that's a reprehensible number for a city that with a dwindling population, because per capita, Detroit is one of the most violent cities in the country mm-hmm. by FBI crime statistics. However, last year, under Chief James Craig, who was my uh, who who took over after me, uh, there were zero officer-involved shootings that resulted in the death of a citizen. Now, in one of the most violent cities in America, where you send police off every day to handle millions of calls for service and millions of interactions with citizens. I think that speaks volumes to the training, the change in culture, because we were under two federal consent judgments when I was chief of police, and I led our department from 19% compliance to 90% compliance when I left, when I retired, and then the current chief has taken it, and uh, Detroit is not under federal monitoring anymore. 
So my point is you can respect the community, you can police constitutionally, and you can do it in a very, very busy, robust, 80% African-American majority city, and you can do it without killing people. I agree. So um, hitting back to a point that you made earlier about, you know, this idea of, like, you know, a, the, the successful police officer and that, you know, it's it's about, you know, like, your quota and how many arrests you get in and, you know, how many tickets you give out and all the different things. When, you know, these people, like the Sandra Blands, you know, the Philando Castillo's, right. where they're being stopped for minor infractions, like, you know, a broken tail, like, or not signaling before changing a lane. And it's just like, when these police officers, and I don't even know if you could, you know, properly answer this since you're not in their head but it's just like when these police officers make these minor stops are these stops being made so that they can further investigate to find something deeper or oh absolutely no it's called a predicate stop and officers are trained as to what things you can do to justify your stop the problem with that is is that the pendulum has swung too far in behalf of the police officers ability to do so legally and law enforcement has not shown that it has the discipline to utilize it fairly. I'll give you a for instance. In the state of Michigan, uh, according to Michigan Vehicle Code, I don't know if you've ever had a, um, an air freshener in your car that you hang from your rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Like the little tree ones. Yeah. Yeah, the little tree ones. Mm-hmm. Well, in the state of Michigan, uh, that is called obstructed vision. Wow. So it could be a predicate for a traffic stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is, now, so you see where this is going very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you if you take this in poor communities, and I don't have any reason to stop this black man, but I have a suspicion that he or she is into something based on my biases. I number one, I have off rip a justification for my stops. Wow. A couple of solutions I think that the country needs to look at, rather it's nationally, but it would probably have to be done state by state at the state level. We've got to reassess what predicate stops we can utilize. To, in the communities mm-hmm. because law enforcement has not shown the capacity to to police itself to the extent to where it's not using used uh, in a prejudicial manner. Because yeah. my, my, to further my point is, I'm sure you all have probably seen older people uh, with rosaries hanging from their mirrors also. Amen. I, <laughs> guarantee, I, guarantee, I guarantee you an officer is not utilizing that as a predicate to stop an elderly white woman, a white man, because they have obstructive vision. And no. the rosary is much more voluminous hanging from the mirror than that uh, uh, that, that pine tree air yeah. pressure. Yeah, but a black brother so, wants his car to smell like lavender, and he can't have that. <laughs> he can't have that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so those are the kind of small examples. Again, you got 18,000 police agencies across the country. Some do it well. But when you look at the, the volume, because that's the thing. For the, for the persons that have been disenfranchised by law enforcement, they may live in a jurisdiction where their police department does it right. But what about that other 17,000 that you have to drive through and travel through and, and go to work as you go through these communities? Because in the city of Detroit, if you go to any of the surrounding suburbs and go to their district courts on traffic day, they're full of black people, even though the, the communities that they're being ticketed in are not predominantly black. Mm-hmm. So, so these things are, are, are real and law enforcement has to stop telling the community, well, what you feel is not what you feel, and there's an explanation for why you feel it. You cannot tell the oppressed how they uh, relieve themselves from their oppression. It, it's, just, it's just counterintuitive. And to get a good result out of that, I think that's why you see the level of civil unrest across the country uh, and then this um, uh, marginalizing of Black Lives Matter. Uh, it has never been a question in this country that white lives matter. I mean, you know, let's of be course. real. Not even a little <laughs> it's bit. Never been a question. And, and, and I'm a cop. I've, I, I've stood over the cast of the comrades 
and I've been the chief, and I've comforted the families of officers that were lost in the line of duty. But you cannot tell me, and, and deservedly so, if you look at the city of Dallas and what they went through, as horrific as it was, five officers assassinated, uh, another seven or eight people injured by an evil person or a deranged person. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Probably had mental health issues. But you had a sitting president and first lady. You had a former president and his first lady. You had the current vice president and his first lady, and the list of luminaries go on that rightfully pay respect to those officers. Mm -hmm. So, yes, blue lives matter, because I guarantee you that same level of folks went at Alton Sterling's funeral yesterday. I guarantee you that same level of folks will not be at Philando Castile's funeral. Mm -hmm. So even from that standpoint, for people to try and marginalize the movement and say they're terrorists and they're racist and they're stoking the fires, uh, that's that's BS. I, I, I'm trying to watch my language. No, nah, it's fine. It's fine here. Let it rip. It's a podcast. But I cuss a little bit. I love Jesus, but I cuss. A little bit. <laughs> don't we all? Like, don't we all? Amen. I'm, I'm, you know, pray for me, fellas. <laughs> you know, but police leadership has to have this conversation, not only with this rank and file, but also it has to have this level of transparency with the community and admit that we're failing. Because if you look at the history of this country, uh, we really only have had, quote unquote, black people being free uh, and other ethnic minorities being free since 1970. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, after, you know, hundreds of years of law enforcement being the tool that reinforced racist behaviors. So now, you know, 46 years later, you expect people to just, oh, wow, you know, let's just hug and be nice to each other. Yeah. It's much deeper than that. And I was at the president's town hall. I was invited mm-hmm. uh, by ABC News, and I was there. And uh, I, I, I am a huge President Barack Obama fan. I think he has been given a, a, a raw deal because he has not been given the support necessary to make some of the social change that he promised or he ran on in his first campaign. I mean, when the, when the, when the Senate Majority Leader says, when right off rip, our entire job is to make sure you're not elected, that's going to make a president moderate. He right. doesn't have a choice if he wants to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Right. I appreciate the fact that he has been more open to talk about issues of race uh, in the later parts of his second term. And I think he's going to be a tremendous influence post-presidency, much more than he ever could be as president. I feel the same so with way. With that being said, um, that town hall meeting was fluff. It, it, it did a great job of giving context to the situation, but there were no solutions. Of course, I mean, you know, there were no solutions at all. Yeah. Uh, ABC got what it wanted. And, you know, I'm, you know, I want to knock ABC because I want to go back. Yeah. But reality <laughs> is, um, you know, ABC got what it's wanted, what it wanted. It got, you know, ratings. It got viewers. Uh, it got the president of the United States to talk about some very, very difficult issues. But it was very, very light on uh, solutions. It's saying things that we know, you know, police got to be nicer. Community got to be nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know all that, you know. All those are nice sound bites, but there were no solutions given. Yeah. So predicate, predicate stops. We have to reexamine as a country uh, how much leeway do we give to our police departments to utilize those those tools in their toolbox to start the predicate stops that predominantly end up in black and brown people are disproportionately being in contact with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Because it does two things. Number one, for officer safety, those are some of the most explosive situations you're going to have. So it can save an officer's life as well, but also it is it is unfathomable in 2016 that a black man legally carrying a gun uh, in, in a state is killed simply because of the color of his skin. Because Philando Castile, uh, and I believe completely, 
his fiance's account of what happened because her video was extemporaneous to the event. Mm-hmm. She didn't have time under that type of stressful situation to make a damn thing up. Yeah, she was, you know, she was she was tremendous, and she probably she probably she is a hero number one. She's a heroine to for keep that her, calm. Huh? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and, and for what she did. Because absent that, I guarantee you it would have been the man made a furtive gesture, even though he had a, a, a right to carry the gun. They would not have found him responsible for his activity, and he would have articulated a reason that he feared for his safety. Mm-hmm. When when you look at that video uh, and, and you hear her extemporaneous account of what happened, nothing could be further from the truth. He, he murdered that man out of fear. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no two ways about it. And then from a training standpoint, he didn't have a clear field of fire because you never fire into a car with a child in the car. Right, exactly. That, I mean, that that's the height of, of irresponsibility when you make the when-to-shoot decision. So um, law enforcement has a lot of reconciliation to do, but we, and I still, I, I love the profession. You know, people, you know, and I get a lot of cops that think I'm turning on the profession. But we, we can't continue to do the same thing the same way and expect a different result. We've got to have honest conversations and law enforcement. This is a law enforcement issue. This is not a community issue. And I think that's what we keep messing up. Law enforcement has to fix this. Law enforcement has to admit where it's it's failing a portion of the community, a significant portion of the community, because black and brown people are now 30% of the population. And social demographers have uh, said that by 2050, 2052, what's now ethnic minority, they're going to be the majority in the United States of America. And, and and we don't want the pendulum to switch the other way. So for us to really have the right conversation, uh, uh, cops across the board, we have to take a look in the mirror and admit where we are abusing our authority. I definitely agree. And I and I think you're right. Like, it's it's almost that idea of, like, holding your, your partner accountable. Like, you know, saying yes. something and just, like, you know, kind of just, like, you know, letting it rock when you know that it's not the right thing. Right. I want to hit on something very exactly. quickly. Um and I've seen a lot on um, on social media. I've, I've actually said it myself, you know, on early in today's show. But this idea of blue lives, do you think that blue lives are actually a thing? Like, how do you feel about this whole blue lives matter movement? I, I think it it, it 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 is a ruse. I think the right is behind it. And I think that this whole law and order piece is really just set up for a Republican platform that's coming up this week. <laughs> uh, and Donald Trump signaled that. Right. And it, it, it's divisive from this standpoint. To go back to my example about you know the, the valiant officers in Dallas that lost their lives, mm-hmm. uh, it is no question this country values blue lives. And to say that to dismiss the Black Lives Matter movement, I think is it, it, it's it's intellectually um, uh, it's intellectually dishonest because this country has had law enforcement's back for all of its existence so going back to slave patrols which is kind of the, the iteration of how law enforcement the police as we know it came about in this country so for us to say that you know we now have to have, to have a blue lives matter movement well let's look at the facts how many officers that improperly use force actually get convicted whereas you know people try and throw in the black on black crime issue but when a black person gets caught murdering another black person they're in jail Forever, forever, yeah. Whether it's on camera, whether they found or ballistics, not. yeah, yeah. he goes exactly. to jail, exactly. And not, and not to mention the number of blacks that have been, you know, exonerated because of uh, uh, groups like the Innocence Project, right? With yeah. DNA and other things that we have found that uh, there is a issue in law enforcement right here in Detroit. 
a young man, Devontae Sanford, spent nine years in jail. Wow. Uh, for a homicide that he did not commit. I just got the chills. I read a story not too long ago. Um, actually, I saw the film. It was on um, Netflix where a man spent nearly, he was he was locked up at the age of 16 or 18, and yeah. he wasn't released till he was almost 54 years old. Damn. Right. And he did n- nothing, and it was just like a wrongful person just adding two cents into an uh, investigation, which was yeah. n- nothing worth of paper right. Absolutely. And, and, and these are the kind of things that, you know, if we don't have these conversations and we continue to have the, you know, well, either you're for the cops or you're for the community, that is that is complete bull because I can be outraged about the Dallas officers being shot and I can be outraged about Philando Castile being murdered. I, I, I mean, outraged about Alton Sterling being murdered in front of the country and I can be outraged about cops being murdered. I don't have to pick a side. And I, right. and this is why we keep losing the argument, because we're trying to pick a side. There ain't no damn side. The side is right. And cops got to be right. Community got to be right. But cops, the difference in, in cops and community, and we cannot lose this point. Cops, number one, it's an all-volunteer army. Ain't nobody drafted your ass. It's an all-volunteer army. So yep. you signed up for this. And it's a noble thing to sign up for, but you're trained. You, uh, you operate under the color of the government, you get a badge, and you raise your right hand, and you swear to do something that other people either are unable of doing, are unwilling to do, or don't, are not qualified to do. So that's, that's a special privilege that cops have to be able to do something that even the Supreme Court can't do. The Supreme Court cannot make an instantaneous decision to take a life. A cop is afforded that. So if a cop is afforded that, you deserve every bit of scrutiny that comes with that level of responsibility. I agree 100%. I have one last question for you. Recently, I was reading an article before, and I sent it to Malcolm as well, and we were reviewing this article where uh, Governor McCrory of North Carolina implemented this new law where he feels that dash cams and body cams of officers should be withheld from the public until investigation is, uh, or release of the investigation is, is required. What do you think about that? You I think so? I disagree with that completely. Okay. And the reason why I do is because sun, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And <laughs> that only contributes to um, the distrust that the community has. Because I th- yeah. When you look at COINTELPRO and the Black Panther Party, and it is not beyond the government's ability to do something that is conspiratorial. So when you have that kind of history and you look at how the Black Panther Party was infiltrated, how um, uh, Fred Hampton was murdered, um, in cold blood by the police. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not, a, not a shootout. He was murdered, and yeah. there was a cover-up, and that cover-up was uncovered, and the cops went to jail for murdering Fred Hampton. So when we have that kind of history, and, and we're not talking about hundreds of years ago, fellas. We're talking about you know recent history in our lifetimes. So to now say we're not going to let you see something and not expect those in the disenfranchised to be suspicious of what is going on while you hold this information, I, I, I think that only contributes more to the toxic environment that we have. So I completely disagree with that, uh, unless there's some demonstrable reason why it would compromise the uh, the, 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 the prosecution of someone. Uh, everything should be open to the public to see. I agree 100%. And it's very unfortunate that they would implement, or he would even try to imply that type of law in, in, in a country right now, like what's been going on recent, where for some reason, Alton Sterling's officers who killed him, they both lost mm-hmm. their body cams in a scuffle for some reason which had no footage or something we haven't seen the footage yet 
No, you have not. So, and if not for those with cell phones and cameras uh, and their narration and different angles, again, this would be another black man. And, and, and let me say this about Alton Sterling because, you know, after the fact, you know, you can Monday, Monday morning quarterback on either end. Mm-hmm. But if there was no video there and you got a black man with a gun, number one, the media is going to pull up everything about his past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and number two, there's a presumption that he was carrying a gun illegally. Do we know that? Did the cops know that? Because it was not in his hand, nor was he brandishing it when they approached. Right. And if they fear for their lives from a tactical standpoint, because I, I, I come from a major police agency, their tactics were all screwed up if they felt he had a weapon in the first place. Well, even if the, the way ta- they approached him. Well, even if their tactics was off, I feel like they already had the aggressive standpoint where he was. They could have apprehended him and figured everything out. They came in on a hundred. Yeah, they, exactly. Absolutely. If you. If, he couldn't have re- two officers. You had his arms. I mean, the guy was pinned down. Yeah, exactly. You know, but even at that, and I say this because, gentlemen, I don't want to dominate your time, but no. I do want to say this. I think these these are important con- constructs to understand for us to start to educate the public and educate our people. Because if nobody else tells our people, who's going to tell them? All right. <laughs> what where, where we lose in the argument as well with these shootings is. There's always an assessment of was the win the shoot decision appropriate at that time. <laughs> yeah, but we've got to ask a different question: Was the engagement of the individual appropriate or necessary lead, to lead to a win the shoot decision? So we've got to expand that conversation beyond just the isolated moment of when the officer felt for his life, because you have to assess: Did the officer do anything to uh, um, uh, uh, heighten the situation or escalate the situation? And did they put themselves in a position inappropriately to have to make a witness shoot decision? Those that's, those are the kind of things we have to have. Because if you just look at the isolated incident and when to shoot, well, I can articulate in that moment why I shot, but can I articulate why I placed myself in a position to shoot? That's the next question that has to be asked. Well, you guys heard it there. Um, retired PD chief host of On the Point with Ralph Godby. Mr. Godby himself on the phone. Thank you for your time and uh, a lot Thank of you. great pointers. And you know, we were here waving our hands in the air while you were on the line because well, a lot of stuff well, we could attest to and agree with. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate the opportunity. And you know, anytime I can weigh in on the conversation, I'm glad this is a podcast because it'll have a shelf life. And let's get this information out. Let's have the right conversation. Definitely. Yeah. So when you see us tweet it out, put it on Facebook, uh, feel free to share amongst them. Before we had Torrey on there, so it's been a lot of fair insight on this show and this podcast. So we thank you for your time, man. Thank you for keeping thank it you. real. <laughs> My yeah, goodness. I appreciate you. Stay Bye-bye. safe, man. Take care. Oh, man. No bullshit. Don't I, you be on that bullshit. No bullshit. All night. <laughs> Woo, I need a drink. <laughs> I this mean, is the one show so we're not we, drinking because I knew. I said, bitch, if you go in there fucked up, oh, it's going to be a shit show. Oh, it's going to be terrible. I'm going to let my tongue loose. Right? But no, um, uh, we were here looking at each other and we just had questions and we were just trying to, but he was hitting the points yeah. as far as, you know, what we wanted to talk about. And it's great. And not because we only want to hear somebody agree with what we say. It's just that we want to hear the fucking factual truth. It's nice to hear someone on that side of Understand. the tracks and still be like, yeah. nah, this shit is fucked up. Yeah. If you're doing a bad job, you're doing a bad job. Exactly. Like, if the system is broken, it's broken. He said, "You can't do the same thing the same time, uh, the same thing multiple times expect and expect the same." I think that's the uh, yeah, I like, think that's the Albert Einstein quote. But like the idea, the the, the definition of ins- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. Of course. So it's yeah. just like you know, you're not like it's not how this works, and you are gonna get this work. 
I agree a hundred percent with them. And you know, we we even talked him, him and Torre both tied in, and it's funny because they wasn't on the line at the same time. They probably never even. They, I know they never spoke to each other, yeah. and they that. they were talking about you know the indecent justices of being stopped and pulled over for minimal crimes. Was, you know, we we had, in New York City have stop and frisk or had stop and frisk, and we know what kind of damage that can do to you know a person's day or how you know how profiling that could be because I've been walked walking down the streets in times where it was I was jogging at night and I would get stopped in the daytime I wouldn't get stopped but then when I was with a group of colored people as far as black and Hispanic I would get stopped you know it was like see don't you, get me started on no profile and shit uh, yeah, you know, oh, cause after the week that I've had oh you you had a profiling incident we, we gonna keep it short cause I don't feel like telling the whole story cause ahead. you know but was in the Dwayne Reed this past week Dwayne Reed I go into all the time like when I say all the time all the time 40th Street, 8th Ave here in New York City. My spot. My hood. So I go in there. I get followed around the store. Decided to go back to the store to speak to a manager. Had this whole confrontation with the girl that followed me. Mind you, black girl. Like, you know, so be it. Whatever your business is, more power to you, sis. But I was just like, yo, like, the fact that, you know, we are still getting, like, followed in stores. Right. And, like, dealing with, like, like um, um like the officer was saying, like, these... I mean, mine wasn't a minor infraction. Like, I don't want to compare the two, but it's just like the fact that we like, you know, you're just getting patrolled on like such petty bullshit, and you're just yeah. like, like for what? Like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, I'm coming in here to buy salt and vinegar chips and get the fuck out. Like, I don't, like, no, I don't care. Like, I had an incident similar to that this week when I was in the grocery store, and the guy was like, I was like, why the fuck this guy won't move? Were you in a 99 cent store or the grocery store? No, I was in the grocery store. Because you'll get followed 99 cent store. No. But that's that's regardless. I, I was in the grocery store shit. and I'm like, yo, why this dude won't move his fucking cart? Like, this your cart, get it out of the. So I just pushed the cart out of the way. Like, get the fuck out of here. Uh huh. Because it was like in oh, the look it, at you. it was in the way. Like, it was like, and I felt like everywhere I'll go, this guy was. Yeah. And then after a while, I get to the counter and I'm like, are you fucking serious? Come to find out, he was just walking around. Like, he was like a part of the. Yeah. The crew and the team, and mm-hmm. it was another brother, and I'm like, "What store? What store was you at?" I was a trade fair, so trade fair. Yes, yeah, a uh, grocery store. Oh, this nigga got money, y'all. <laughs> so I, I shop at Sea Town. What the fuck is trade fair? So I was just like, "Really, dude? You follow me? If all the people that was here, I'm in here in shorts and a t-shirt, and you just like, where am I going to put my stuff? In? You're in there black, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, <sighs> there's so much more we can say on this podcast. I'm gonna look up trade fair real quick. I never heard of trade fair. <laughs> I want to thank Torrey for joining us. Oh, it's like associated, like key food. All yeah. right. Okay, okay. All right. It's, yeah. He ain't got no money, y'all. <laughs> it's regular schmack. Oh, yes, you do. There's some shit in this, in this fly I've never heard of before. Like what? They got some fancy stuff. Oh, this is the organic stuff. Oh, they got Blue Bonnet on sale. <laughs> all right. Let me, all right. Anyway. I'm glad you're taking this show to a higher level. I try. I try. <laughs> um, Yeah, just so much has gone on in this country. And, and, and I forgot, we didn't touch points on uh Dallas, which the officer Godby did I want to say that was very unfortunate and I and I, I I just see I don't find the need for people to use a cop out for whatever reason you have against police to no pun intended no, <laughs> no pun intended to take action upon yourself or whatever hate you have against them and no shape or form should you try to align that with the black lives movement that was very disgusting yeah and not not tasteful at all and we but see like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I'm like, like, but when these things happen, like, I mean, while it is unfortunate, like, and it shouldn't be happening, like, you can't, I don't want to say you can't be surprised, but I was not surprised when I heard the story. Right. Because I'm just like, just the way things have been going, I'm just like, well, this, 
people are pissed. Yeah, people are pissed. And when you're pissed. pissed and you, like when I said, like when you've like been on the front lines, you know, you've done all you can do in like yeah. a peaceful way. You're like, all right, maybe it's time for me to turn shit the fuck up. But I don't think his his situation was a reflection of the Black Lives Movement. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. But, and, and just like I tweeted out and I said also on Facebook, one person's action doesn't reflect an organization. The or, whole class. Or, exactly. So, and, and and I actually wrote that because of the, I, I, I wrote that tweet before the shooting, which was me siding with the police. Like, I, at one point, I did live a life where it was fuck the police. And, yeah. And I was about that. But then you, as you get older, you have to smarten up and you realize that some of these cops become your friends or, like, you know people who become cops. So yeah. you, un, you, you understand the shit that they go through and, like, it's not that fuck the cops because nobody wants to. At the end of the day, we're not out here to kill police because we. Some of those people become. They have to go home and take the uniform off and be family members. To they others. all have to go home and take the uniform yeah, exactly. off. Exactly, and be family members and loved ones to others. So that's not my my uh, my my grudge with that, but it's just injustice. But also but because that, you have to take it off. That's why you need to realize. Realize that when shit goes down. Smarten up. You will not be a cop forever. Did you see that picture? I don't know how true it was, but there was a picture. Of, well, first you just hear all the stories of like you know unknown. I'm. Black officers that are, um, you know, being policed by like their own kind, like you know, like I was stopped by like a police officer. Yeah, it's just like you're a cop. I did see that, and there's like there's a, a, a article out there where officers say that they they willingly say that they feel for stops when they're off duty because they know mm-hmm. what kind of profiling and what is expected of officer duty and tactics. Yeah, with the with dealing with the community, especially people of color. So. Um, if it's no, it's no secret, and it's sad that more people don't speak up. And there was a young lady who, who did speak up, and I believe you saw that she went viral. Video went oh, viral. Oh, the cop, yeah, 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 the black lady. She went viral and said, "Listen, if you if you can't pledge and abide by the rules of which you you stood up for when you went through the classing training, then don't 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 be in my class. Don't don't be an officer with me on this force. Like, yeah. don't be don't bullshit if you're not going to do the duty as which you're accountable to be doing. Agree, sis. Um. And that, uh, I think, I think this episode was fully loaded. Yeah, this episode was heavy. I'm gonna go home and watch, um, you know, Dating Naked or Basketball Wives or some shit, just to completely get my mind off all of this because it's a lot happening today. So, um, once again, we'd like to thank uh, TV personality, soon to be podcast and radio personality, right. author, um, culture critic, Torre. We also like to thank. Or as Jay would call them, Tor. Tor. I I always say Tor. You know, I I like to shorten people's name. I, I call you Malk. Oh, the fuck you don't. I call you Malk. You's a lie. Malk. <laughs> and um, I also like to thank retired officer PD chief um, Ralph Godby for giving that delightful insight on what he thought was going on. <clears throat> and, you know, <clears throat> we... Uh, <laughs> I also would like to thank, you know, my annoying co-host... Oh, oh what? Me? Malcolm. I'm getting a moment. Wow, thank you. Okay, so don't cure up my grammar music. I just want to thank a couple of people really quickly. Um, Hold on, one quick question. You you had a you had a vlog this week. What did you guys talk about? Um, on still diverted. Yeah. Um, fun shit because last week was all of this shit. Yesterday we talked about hip hop honors, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? It was Go like on. yeah. Um, hip hop honors. Uh, Beyonce being nominated for an Emmy because Beyonce's amazing. And what else? Oh, and Wendy Williams, who I've given up on because oh, yeah. Why'd you give up on Wendy? Because. Rebel without a pull. I was about to. I was about to say words I don't really want to say. Um, but these are my emotions right now. Fuck her. I might feel different in two weeks. But right now, fuck her. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I don't really. Uh, I would love to say fuck some people, but at this time and where we're at with the world, uh, it's very. 
I'm very, miles very, fucked, very, very important that we embrace each other. And I uh, want to say, <sighs> that's a lot you're asking for. Uh, uh, a lighthearted prayer and warm heart sending out to France for that terrorist attack that recently oh, yeah, happened, yeah. where uh, a truck decided, a guy driving a truck decided to plow into a, a, a crowded area Yo, during, by day. during a festival. Craziness, man. Craziness, crazy, crazy, crazy times. Crazy. We're Why living you always in- want to start in on this somber ass shit, son? We was fine. We was fine. We lit. I'm going to pop a bottle. This week is um. You got uh, weed in your bag? No. This week is RNC. You don't have to say no because the cops are listening. Are you going to be? Are you going to be tuned into the political? <laughs> what RNC? The Republican National uh, Convention. Convention of Cops? No, I won't be there. I have better <laughs> I shit said, to do with my free time. I said, will you be paying attention? I'll be watching basketball wives. <laughs> That's where I'll be. Uh, fully loaded Focus JRJ Yes make sure you subscribe thank Get at us Thank iTunes, you guys for listening Right iTunes SoundCloud Tune in Get at this fuck ass At Focus underscore JRJ hey. I'm at underscore Hey Malcolm We thank you for listening If you like what you heard Tell a friend Share it on your social media Write a comment On SoundCloud Rate on iTunes Do all of the things That you kids do On the internet And stay cool Stay black And don't die Alright Playing Pokemon Don't die Be safe y'all Right love y'all to life This is a J.R. Jeter production.